Hello and welcome to the Categorically Romance Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Bree. And today we have returning to us again. We're so happy. Author Nan Reinhardt is back. Welcome back to the podcast. Catch us up with you. How have things been going for you? Thank you so much for having me back. I just love talking to you guys. It's so much fun. How have things been going? Well, we had kind of a rough summer, but we're through it now and things are looking up. My husband had a kind of a little health issue that was pretty scary at first, but he's doing great now. And so we're back on track and getting ready for Christmas with the grand boy. And I'm writing, writing, writing and working, working, working. So yeah, we're glad your husband's okay. Yeah, he is. He's doing fine. Really fine. It is currently NaNoWriMo as we record this. And in one of your recent Sunday snippets, you shared that you're doing a mini NaNo with a friend. Uh, (laughs) What advice do you have for anyone participating in NaNoWriMo for the first time? I would say don't panic. (laughs) Um, Really, seriously, it's not life or death. It's just writing. And if you don't get 1,600 words in a day, um, it's not a big deal. The big, the main thing I think is to write every day. That's, that's the point behind not, behind Nano is, is to write every day and don't go back and edit. It's not a time for editing. It's a writing exercise and you can go back at the end of November and edit all you want. But Liz and I meet up online every morning at six o'clock and we both write or try to for a couple of hours. Some days it's a 2000 word day. Other days it's a 200 word day. It just depends on what's happening. I've never really actually signed up to do nano for real because I don't work well under pressure in spite of the fact that I'm usually the author who always ends up writing the last 15,000 words of a book in the last two weeks before deadline. (laughs) 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 But I would prefer to be, you know, not so much under pressure. So I'm, I'm just not good about that. Liz and I are doing a great job. We're having a lot of fun. And I've gotten, since the first of November, I've gotten about 11,000 words in, which isn't too bad. Oh, my God. Very good. Yeah, I think, Aaron, we're both like unofficial NaNoWriMo participators. Like, we never actually sign up. <laughs> No, no, and I, I, I'm not. I'm not even tracking my progress. Uh, like I, like I try to do some some years. I'm really like Nan was saying. I'm trying to just write every day. And uh, another author told me recently that you know, even if you don't get the fifty thousand words, even if it's you get five thousand words, that's five thousand words you didn't have before. That's yeah, great. So that's true. the way to look at it. Well, we love that you not only update your blog with snippets of what's going on in your life, but that you also host author spotlights. What do you enjoy about blogging? Well, as far as the author spotlights are concerned, I really enjoy introducing new authors to my readers and supporting all authors, particularly my Thule colleagues, because they are all such great writers. I've always felt like between authors, this isn't a competition. We all have to help each other out. And um, so I've never really thought of it as a competition. So bringing authors onto my website is just, it's just a treat for me to have these guest authors. And I've discovered a lot of new authors doing that. So it's fun to introduce them. Um, And as far as blogging is concerned, I just, I just think it's fun. The Sunday Snippet's been a chance to share a little bit of my personal life with my readers, which they seem interested in that, even though I'm just like the most ordinary person on the planet, but they seem interested. And I'm like, well, okay, sure. I'll tell you whatever you want to know. Um, And the snippets give me a chance to test scenes on readers and give them a little peek into what's happening in River's Edge and what's coming up. So, yeah, I think in your recent one, you were just like you were sitting at the table, staring at outside the window and describing the leaves. And then you go off on this totally random tangent. And at the end, you're like, so what does this have to do with (laughs) what I was originally (laughs) talking about? Nothing. And I was like, this is so Nan. (laughs) 
<laughs> that was, you know, I'm, I, I think I said in that snippet that I'm having this heart thing going on and I'm just not, tomorrow I go see the cardiologist and we find out what's happening. I've had this problem before and they medicated it and it's been fine for about 10, maybe longer, maybe 12 years. And now all of a sudden it's kicking back up again. And so I'm, I don't know what we're going to do to fix it. I'm hoping it's just going to be, let's up the med a little bit. So that's what we're hoping. Well, we'll definitely have you in our thoughts, but I have to say <laughs> the post was also funny because you were like, you asked the doctor, like, does it have anything to do with my fat ass? And the doctor's like, it has nothing to do with your fat ass. <laughs> I know. I know. I blame everything on my fat ass. It doesn't matter what is going on. You know, if I've got, if I've got a bruise, it's my fat ass. You know? <laughs> and my doctor is constantly saying to me, Nan, Nan. That's nothing to do with the size. Nothing to do. (laughs) Ass is fine. So, (laughs) well, speaking of your blog, another of your recent posts was a character interview you did with Harley Cole, the heroine in the Fireman's Christmas Wish. Was coming up with the answers for this easier or more difficult to come up with than you thought? Um, I think it was easier. Okay, I, I really. It was the most fun I'd had writing a blog in a long time. I just really wanted something different for release day, something that wasn't just straight promo. And I used to love Inside the Actors Theater. Did you have you guys ever seen that or Inside the Actors Studio Uh with James Lipton? He asked the best questions, you know. And so it felt like kind of a fun thing to do for the blog. And to be honest with you, Harley was easy to interview because there's so much of me in her. She's of all the characters I've written. There's so much of me in Harley that it was. There's a, there's a lot of me in Beck too, so this is kind of the Nan book. Um, <laughs> so it was fun. It was fun to ask her those questions and to answer them the way I thought she would. I thought Becker would be harder to do, so I picked Harley. Well, The Fireman's Christmas Wish is out now, book number three in the Lang Brothers series. How does it feel for the series to be complete? You know, this is kind of crazy, but I know I'm going to miss these guys. They're going to be in the other books. We're going to see them again. But they were just, those brothers were just so much fun to write. And I I really haven't had any time to even blink before I had to start on the next series immediately. Um, The Weaver Sisters, um, you might remember them. They were two of those, they're the triplets that own, their family owns the marina. Mm -hmm. And two of them took Lauren out to the riverboat to meet Max at the at the end of falling for the doctor. Um, but it's, I think what really feels the best about this series is that so many people have said to me how much fun they've had being back in River's Edge, even though they weren't the Flaherty's that were being written about and that they loved meeting some new people and, you know, having new stories about other people in River's Edge. That's been fun. Well, give our listeners an elevator pitch for the book. <laughs> so you can bad. do it, Nan. You can do it. <laughs> Everyone hates oh, the yeah. elevator pitch. It's <laughs> like two sentences. Quick, tell us what the book is about. Let's see. Um, how about, let's see. Um, uh, a sunny nursery school teacher decides to drag her former, former crush, a grumpy fire chief, into the holiday events in their small town, believing he needs some Christmas cheer, but neither of them anticipate falling in love. And who doesn't love a grumpy sunshine? Right. I, you know what? Isn't that fun? I've never done one before. And it was the best fun. Really? You've never done you've never done one before? No, no. Everybody's always just, you know, real laid back and easy and what what was it that uh that made you decide to go with that dynamic for this book? You know, I, I just thought he had kind of come he'd kind of come across as a little bit grumpy in the other two books, in his brother's books. And I thought, well, maybe we can play with this a little bit. Who would be a good person for Beck? And I just love Harley. 
especially when she had the little encounter with Riker at the bakery about, you know, he asked her, did you break my heart? And she said, yeah, you, you know, or, did I break your heart? That was it. And she said, yeah, you broke my heart. And I thought, you know, she's a cool person. She might really bring something good out in Becker. And, you know, Becker needed a story. So there we have it. There you have it. Yeah. Well, chapter one really shows us what kind of people Harley and Beck are. Can you talk about how you came up with the opening chapter and why you chose to start the book the way you did? Well, I really wanted Harley's rose-colored glasses attitude to come through loud and clear from the very beginning. Because although she has this lovely life, we find out as the story progresses that it's not, you know, all skittles and beer um she lost her dad at a really young age and her mom <laughs> i just love that you said skittles and beer <laughs> that is I'm, such a I'm, that is so on brand for you nan okay I'm, keep going I'm dating myself <laughs> you know it um <laughs> she lost her dad at a really young age and her mom whom she's always been close to is disappearing into alzheimer's and she hasn't had very good luck at love and i knew but i knew that all those things would be reasons that readers would fall in love with her and I needed them also, though, to like Beck right away and not wonder why Harley would even be interested in it because, you know, he's kind of a grumpy divorce guy. So even though he's kind of uncomfortable in that very first scene doing this thing, this program for the kids, he showed up and he did the program and he let the little ones crawl over his beloved fire truck. And he took Harley's desire to bring him into the holidays in a good spirit later on at the restaurant. And so I think you see immediately that he's really a good guy. And that he would like, you know, walk across hot glass for anybody he loves. And he's just self-protecting. And I mm -hmm. think that comes out right away. And so it was really important for both of them to be likable, complex characters. That's what I was going with. Yeah. Yeah. I hope I got that. You did. And I, I think thinking about the grumpy sunshine dynamic. So one of the quotes that I highlighted um was now here's the best advice I can give you about men, honey. And it's the same advice my mother gave me. I just feel like your voice is so distinct. Anyways, and so now here's the best advice I can give you about men, honey. And it's the same advice my mother gave me when I fell in love with your dad. What you see is what you get. Don't try to change him because change is his choice, not yours. And I was like, oh, that is so Becker. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what's funny about that quote? That is right out of my grandmother's mouth. When I married my husband, I was 19 years old and he was 24. And my my grandmother, who at the time was falling into dementia, okay, said to me, you're awfully young to be getting married, which was ironic given the fact that she was younger than me when she got married. But it was, right. you know, the 1920s back then. <laughs> we just but, let grandmothers say what they do, you know, say sure. what they want. Just <laughs> Yeah, you don't. <laughs> and But then she said to me, you just need to remember this. Keep that sense of humor. It's critical. And what you see is what you get. And if that's not what you want to live with for the rest of your life, do not make that walk down the aisle. And that just really resonated with me, even though I was only 19 years old and crazy mad in love. But, you know, here I am 50 years later, crazy mad in love. So yeah, it worked. Okay, I have to share one more quote. And maybe this has a story. Maybe it doesn't. Okay, so it's later. It's, it's It says, here's the thing. I can't be your happy place if you can't be mine too. And this is like in the, I don't want to spoil it, but... How, that moment, can you talk about writing that moment when Harley is just like, yeah, I want you in my life, but we're not going to do it like this? I, I think that's really it. She she so wanted him. She was so crazy about him. But she saw where he was at that point in time. And yeah. she knew that, that he couldn't be who she needed him to be if he didn't look at himself and figure out who who he really was. And 
you know, she was, she was so smart in this book. I thought, I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm talking about somebody else's book and, but you know, she just really understood what she needed and she wasn't going to settle for less. And, you know, that was really where it was. And he finally figured that out, you know, that he wanted to be with her and he was going to have to change his attitude a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Where did the inspiration for the old red fire truck come from? (laughs) I love you asking me this question. Um, Many years ago, before either of you were born back in the 70s, I was an antiques dealer as well as an antiques feature editor for a local magazine that eventually became Indianapolis Monthly. It's it's still in publication. Um, and we had an antique shop in an old restored home northwest of the city. And the owners of the building had this old fire truck from the 30s that they used for advertising. And the owner, the guy, a guy named Joe, um, drove Santa in a parade one Christmas while we had the shop. And I always wanted to put that in the book. So I finally got a chance you to. You did. <laughs> I swear every time we talk to you, we get some snippet of your life and it's just like, Nan is even cooler this time than she was the last time. Oh, <laughs> bless her heart. You an antique dealer. Of course you oh, were. We had, you know, we had so much fun with that antique shop and we we ended up closing it because our son was born and it was really hard to, to take antiques around to shows and things with a with a baby. We ended up I ended up being, I was a stay-at-home mom until he was about 11, but I also did a lot of editing and that kind of thing for people. Yeah. So, but okay, this is just nerdy me. I have always wanted to know, like, how does an ant, like, how do you run an antique business? Like, how do you get the stuff and <laughs> how do you keep an antique business going? <laughs> I've well, always you know, wanted to know. Auctions and garage sales and barn sales and things like that. We used to have people come in and say, do you buy antiques? And, you know, your immediate reaction is to go, no, we make them. Um, <laughs> but, you know, obviously, we did. <laughs> it was, you know, you just you just wander around. There's there's auctions all the time. And people back then, more than now, I think people had like garage sales and you'd walk around neighborhoods and find things and, you know, wow. just, just, you know, wandering around. And a lot of people would come into the shop and say, you know, I've got this in the back of my car or in the bed of my pickup truck. Do you want to come and take a look? And Sometimes it was stuff that was worth buying. Yeah. Wow. I wonder how antique stores are, I mean, because they're still a thing, but like, how are they thriving now? Are they using social media? Like, I don't know. I always think of like American know. Pickers that show on the history. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a cool show. Yeah. I watch, I'm kind of addicted to to both Antiques Roadshow on PBS, but also on BritBox. There's um, Ink. England's Antique Roadshow, British Antique Roadshow. That's really cool because people there, they have some really old stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, we don't know what old is here in this country. (laughs) (laughs) Our stuff isn't that old, right? (laughs) Yeah, no. Yeah, I know what you mean, Bree, because you you drive through these small towns sometimes and there's like nothing except the road and four antique shops on the main street, right? (laughs) Do you know that's funny you should mention that, Erin, because when we go to the lake, we kind of take the back way. We don't go down the big highway. And this little back road has this little town in it. And there's like six antique shops and a restaurant and a bar, a post office and a gas station. And you're like, <laughs> One that restaurant, is, six antique shops. <laughs> your whole life is just, just, you know, and I think what's it like to live in a town like that? I'm just saying, man, I feel like we need a, a, a future antique dealer, you know, in <laughs> well, a You book. know, we have, we have Clyde. He has, Clyde Schwimmer has that antique store, Antiques and Uniques. We do. We do. We do. Yeah. And his wife, Gloria, they're, you know, they're rocking it. But maybe they need to have a little more in the next story. I don't know. I'm, you know, everybody gets a story in that town. So. Yeah. I feel like every time we talk, we're like giving you like 
<laughs> can we can we get this in this in the next book or the next series? <laughs> you know, last time we talked, we talked about DJs and you know that kind of thing. And I told you about the guy that who's a huge Thule fan. He's such a nice person, and um, so he doesn't know this yet. But if he listens to this, he will. Um, <laughs> He's in the he's in the second Weaver Sisters book. Oh my gosh! Not him. I mean, it's not. He has to. Nobody will know it's him. But yeah. you know, he's a DJ in that book. Oh, that's so cool! And you guys, you guys yeah. convinced me to do the DJ thing. So you know, watch for book three because you may you never know. You may find yourselves in there. Oh uh, gosh! Uh, <laughs> Aaron's doing the traffic report yeah. mm-hmm. from the helicopter, Aaron. Yes. Oh God, yeah, Aaron! <laughs> if I don't, if I don't pass out, you know, on the way out. <laughs> well, and Nan, can you tell us how Harley's word collection quirk came to you? Um, well, here's a little confession. That's me. Knew it, of course. <laughs> it was so words. fun. <laughs> I have notebooks. I have several notebooks actually with words. I love words. I love learning new words. Um, as a matter of fact. If you go to women's writers, women's uh, booksbywomen.org, my article is there about about how much I love using French. Um, and it's about words, too. So Harley just seemed like a good person to give that little trait to. So and it made a good connection between she and Beck. You know, is there a kind of feeling their way in their relationships? Something to talk about. Yeah, it was such a cute moment when she confesses it. Because yeah. <laughs> you're like reading it and you can tell like... She's like, oh, I really don't want to tell him this, but I'm going to tell him it. And he was yeah. just like, oh, okay, that's that's cool. <laughs> it's a little nerdy. It's a little nerdy. <laughs> that's okay. I'm. I'm I I'm loved okay. it. Yeah. Well, we don't want to spoil it, but we have to ask, what inspired the choice to go the route you did with Donald Lang? So did that kind of get to you? It got to me. Yeah. It got. Yeah. We, it got to us. Um. Well, you know, one more time. That's right out of my own life. <laughs> My dad abandoned us, me and my three siblings, when I was five years old. And he was Don Lang in that he never accepted responsibility for his family. Um, he really didn't want to be burdened with kids or a wife. And we rarely saw him. Um, but when he developed stage four esophageal cancer about 23 years ago, he came to all of us expecting us to help him, even wow. though we hadn't, you know, we hadn't seen him or talked to him. Or, but we were raised by my mom, who is a good woman. And um, so we... You know, we did what we could for him, but just like Don, he never did apologize for abandoning us, and he didn't think he had done anything wrong in leaving a wife and four kids in an era when women had very few rights. I knew Don really intimately, and uh, my mom worked her butt off to keep food on the table and a roof over our heads, just like Jane Lang, and she went to school to become a nurse, just like Jane Lang, and my oldest sister, who was 12 when my father left us, ended up being Becker, basically taking care of the other three of us while mother worked and went to school full time. So oh I'm guessing there were probably some issues I was working out as I wrote this book, <laughs> a little bit of catharsis going on. I don't know. Um, it turned out to be uh, way more real for me than I had imagined that it would when I first started Don's story back in, back in Riker's book. Um, but I think I'm glad I did it. And I've had a lot of right readers contact me and say, you know, man, that was something. Yeah, it was, um, a, I think, a really beautiful and powerful, t- like, uh, sh- shift gear, gear shift to the story. Because you do see the boys being protective of their mom. Like, she, do- we, we don't need to get her involved in this. She doesn't need to know. She's happy, you know, all of that. But at the same time, you're seeing, like, she did raise them to 
be these men that are like, okay, he's here. We have to like help him out kind of thing. But also I think specifically for Becker, it's like getting that perspective of the child that did have to like step up and grow up a lot quicker than they probably would have wanted to or should have. But I think I, I think there was a moment when Don says like, basically you have this moment where it's like, but you guys turned out great, greater than you probably would have had I stayed here kind of thing. And it's just yeah. like this really weird push and pull of like you wish he would have stuck around but look at the great things you guys are doing and it has nothing to do with him having been around kind of thing so I don't know like what did what do you have to say about that part of it well I think that that is is probably the same thing that happened in my own life you know Mm -hmm. my dad didn't contribute anything to our childhood and I think all of us you know we turned out okay (laughs) You know, we all turned out okay. And so it, you know, it worked out. And mother, I think that mother got to do a lot more things that she would choose for us to know and have and be than she could have if dad had been around. Um, So because he really like, this is a stupid story. But one of the things that he told me once was one of the reasons he left was because he would come home from work and mother would have us all on on the sofa bed. She'd open up the sofa bed and she'd have all of us sitting around her and she'd be reading to us instead of making his dinner. Mm -hmm. And that really ticked him off. But you know, look, look at what happened. We all are readers and we all, you know, we love reading and books and, you know, mother really put that into us. And so we maybe if she had lived her life more the way he wanted her to, we wouldn't have had that. So, you know. Yeah. And I think, you know, for Jane and the boys, you know, they they love they love her and they want her to be happy. And, you know, this person, I think that their expectation, I think Riker's expectation was more than everybody else's. But I think that they finally eventually learned that this is who he was and he wasn't going to be anyone else. Yeah. Yep. Well, why don't we move on to something a little more fun here? It's game <laughs> That's a little time. Deep, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. We we like getting deep here sometimes, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll switch gears here. Uh, sure. So, are you ready for a game, Nan? Oh, I love games. <laughs> all right. Well, we're gonna play which character from the Lang series, the Lang Brothers series, would, and the first one is which character from the series would most likely begin their day by checking their horoscope app. <laughs> oh, let's see. Um, probably Harley because she, but you know, just only as a little fun thing that she would do with friends um, like the Weaver sisters and the Flaherty wives, you know, he, she's close friends with all those women and that'd probably be just a fun thing. Becker would just say, Oh, that's crap. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Harley needs to read it, you know, before she goes to the nursery school for the day. (laughs) What kind of day is it going to be today? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Which character would have had the worst dating profile uh, bio once upon a time? (laughs) Oh, that would be Beck. (laughs) It would probably read like he was 75 instead of 39. (laughs) You know, kind of one of those things where it's like, don't expect me to go to any parties with you. But if you want to work on my old car with me, here's a wrench. And hey, watch out for your sweater because it's white and it'll get dirty. Uh, (laughs) That would be his profile. His would be something like sleep all day because I work all night. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. And damn that kitten. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Which character would most likely have ghosted a date once upon a time? Mm. 
I would, you know, I'm inclined to say neither one of them would have done that. They're both nice people. But on the other hand, I could totally see Harley going to the restroom and then never coming back. Yeah. If a date was really bad, you know, really hideous. Well, it could so, be any of the characters from the, the entire series. So it could be any of the brothers or oh, whatever. Riker would have done it in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> Call him out, why don't you, man? <laughs> He was like, this isn't working. I'm going by. Right. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I kind of think that's what he was known for before Kit came along. <laughs> Notorious ghoster. <laughs> okay. How's, how's that work out in a small town? Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, Aaron. Aaron. Not very well. <laughs> All the old, like, matchmaking ladies are like, no, stay away from this one, honey, because he ghosts people, whatever that means. <laughs> So which character, Nan, would have had the most, which character would have the most random of videos go viral on TikTok? And what would their content consist of? That's a tough one. Um, because I don't think either of my main characters would be on TikTok, not in a heartbeat. Harley might be tempted, but the only thing she'd want to post would be her classroom antics. And, you know, you can't do that without permission of the parents. So probably not her. Beck's not on social media at all, except for the stupid neighborhood <laughs> app where he puts the cat Maybe he up. starts making cat videos. <laughs> I can't see him doing that, you guys. No. You guys are really... You know, but does you know, Beck was, even have like an updated iPhone? We don't even know. No, he barely has a phone. Um, but you know, maybe Mac at the Riverside might do like some foodie videos. That would be fun, don't you think? Yeah, that would be fun. Or um, or maybe Aiden, or actually, maybe even Aiden's stepson Mateo would do stuff from the riverboat. You know? Yeah, wouldn't yeah. that be cool? But and then also, how about the the brothers, the 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 Flaherty's? Because, you know, every year they do that Black Friday thing where they bring Thanksgiving. They tell you to bring your Thanksgiving turkey sandwiches to the winery and have a glass of wine instead of going shopping. That would yeah. be a cool video. Thing. That would be a cool video. Yeah. I'm but like, not I would love character. little teacher content from Harley. Like she could do those <laughs> outfit of the day TikTok uh, videos that, you know, the teachers oh, do. Cute. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I have my friend Lonnie, who was my editor on my other, my series before I signed with Thule, um, keeps telling me I need to do TikTok. And I'm like. Funny. <laughs> I'm 69 years old. Do I you have could to do TikTok? some really fun snarky videos though, Nan. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think oh, I think guys. Nan is, is made for TikTok. You are. You really don't realize how much you are, Nan, and you you should, you should do My it. son keeps telling me I should you know, he goes, I'll help you, I'll help you do them. I'm like, when? He's <laughs> so, you know, I don't know. Maybe one day, but right now. The most I can do is Instagram, you know. Yeah. I get I a mean, picture of books on to write, so we get it. And you I have do books have, to write. I have seven books in the next two years. Oh my gosh. Wow, look at you. You need to do a lot of mini NaNoWriMo's. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and plus, you know, I'm working for other people too. So, yep. Mm, yep. Yeah. You also have, yeah, being editing, editing. Yeah. Being the editor. So, I got plenty to do without TikTok. <laughs> Well, the last time we chatted, you mentioned that you were writing a new series, but still set in River's Edge. You kind of touched on this a little bit, but how is the writing coming along? And is there any updates that you can share with us about this series? Oh, I've written two of them so far, and they're both in production now. Um, the first one comes out, it's called The Carpenter's Heart, and it comes out in uh, April 
2023. I'm not sure the exact date. Um, it's the Weaver sisters, the triplets whose family owns a marina just east of town. And it's Jasmine and Joanna and Jenny. They all have their own stories. But it's kind of fun because we I've woven, I say we because I'm, I don't know why I say we, um, because <laughs> I've woven. The sisters' relationship is really important throughout all three books because they're they're triplets and they're close and they have this special kind of bond that, you know, a lot of siblings don't have because they didn't share a womb. Um, and book one is Jasmine's story. And um, I can tell you the back cover blurb if you want to hear it. Okay. Okay. Um, so the back, the back cover blurb is she's determined to start a new chapter. So why is she still drawn to a man from her past? When Jasmine Weaver, the chief of staff to a powerful D.C. congresswoman chose integrity, she didn't anticipate ringing the new year in disgraced, unemployed, and sleeping in her childhood bedroom. Now back in River's Edge, identical triplet jazz has her sister's support while she plans her next step, and she agrees to lead the committee for their high school's 15th reunion, never dreaming that her co-chair is the man who broke her teenaged heart. As the new CEO of Walker Construction, Elias Walker has taken the family business to a new level of success. He's buried himself in work to ease the grief of losing his fiance several years earlier and wants nothing more than to be a carpenter again. Elias grudgingly agrees to co-chair the high school reunions committee, but when Jazz Weaver blows into town, suddenly anything seems possible. These high school sweethearts have lived half their lives apart. Can they reinvent themselves back in the town where it all began? So that's Jazz and Eli. <laughs> That sounds really good. Eli, Eli's family will be the next series. The Walkers, okay. um, his cousins and his brother will be the next series, the next four books after the Weavers. So every, we're staying in River's Edge, baby. And guess what? I just found out today that I'm going to do a book signing down in the little town that River's Edge is, is based on. So I'm really excited about doing that. Oh, my gosh. That's so that's fun. exciting. Okay, so let's get into some holiday questions since this is a holiday release. Do you have a favorite holiday romance you have read that you would recommend our listeners pick up? Oh my goodness. Um, I have a million, but okay. I won't name oh, them all now. Whatever you want to tell um, <laughs> I am currently reading Jane Porter's Once Upon a Christmas. It's so good. An American girl goes to England and falls in love with a guy that whose family has this old house it's really cool and um susan sands i don't know if you who she is but she wrote a christmas story called the bayou christmas and it's she just does the best southern romance yeah. she's just really cool she's got a great voice and um fortune wayland's uh my christmas with you is the last book in her dorsey brothers series and i i just love me some dorseys those brothers are so much fun we've got to get fortune on the podcast we do, yeah oh, you guys would love her she's such a hoot um and then if you like a little cozy mystery with your holidays, Kaz Delaney is an Aussie writer for, for Thule who has a whole series with this woman. She's kind of like, you know, uh, murder she wrote type stories called Murder Below the Mistletoe, which is really fun. <laughs> and um, then uh, let's see, for historical Christmas romance, Carla Cartoville's Christmas at Belhaven Hall is really good. Um and yeah, I know that I'm, re I'm recommending a lot of Thule books, but I get so little time to read for pleasure that, you know, yeah. I really try to write, to read my colleagues and it's, they're so great. It's, you know, it's just a blessing to be able to read them. Um, but I tell you what, I also have a fondness for my bestie Liz Flaherty's Christmas stories. She has like five or six novellas that were part of the Christmas Town box sets. 
but now you can buy them all on their own. I think there's like the Magic Stocking, the Dark Horse, um, the Gingerbread Heart. They're just sweet stories. They're just such sweet stories. And they're short and fun little reads. So, okay. Yeah. How's that? I love it. Perfect. Thank you. Do you have a favorite holiday film to watch? Um, I love holiday films. Um, I love the movie The Holiday because me you know, too. I love that movie. It's like it's got it's got everything. You know, a great story and a fabulous cast, and you know Jude Law. What more do you need? Um, and my husband and I, we both love the old classics like White Christmas and Holiday Inn and Miracle on 34th Street with Natalie Wood. And you know, I just like anything Christmassy, to tell you the truth. Yeah, I loved that part. Like, oh gosh, there's so many like iconic moments in that that film. But like, what Kate, is it? Kate Winslet is it's that how Kate you say Winslet? Her name? Yeah, mm-hmm. the relationship she builds like the, the, with the older gentleman. I think he was like an old screenwriter or something. Like, yes, I, isn't I just that precious? Loved that. Yes. And can we That's... not sleep on Jack Black as a, like a romance hero? Like, I thought he was adorable in that in that movie, he and he did fabulous. such a good job. Yes, <laughs> yes, he's he is my kind of romantic hero because he's funny and he's kind and he's sweet. He was beta all the way, but just so cool, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's a good. Okay, movie. what's one of your favorite holiday traditions? Oh man, I love everything about Christmas, um, but I think my favorite thing would be. Um, maybe it's a tie between going to the Yuletide celebration at symphony at the symphony, which we haven't been able to do for a couple of years because COVID and I've really missed it. Um, and our tradition of sitting down on the sofa on Thanksgiving night with a piece of pie and a glass of wine to watch holiday. And it's kind of like, that's how we start Christmas every year. Oh, wow. And sometimes it's all of us together. And sometimes it's just husband and me, but Holiday Inn and pie and wine. That's how we start Christmas. Erin, do you all do anything on things? Like, because my Thanksgiving night <laughs> tradition is watching uh, the National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. <laughs> I am so antsy. I'm like, let's just get Thanksgiving over with because I'm ready to sit and watch this movie. Like, do you all do anything, Erin, or no? Uh, not really, other than, you know, eat way too much food and, you know, uh, at least <laughs> well, two of us fall asleep anyway. on a couch, you know, yeah. somewhere. So. <laughs> that's the tradition. It's fine. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> well, lastly, Nan, where can everyone keep up with you online? Oh, I'm so easy to find, you guys. It's embarrassing. Um, my website, nanreinhardt.com, has always all the latest news. Plus, I'm on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram as at nanreinhardt. <laughs> And I'm on the Thule website with a bunch of other terrific authors at thulepublishing.com and then slash authors slash Nan hyphen Reinhardt. Um, but I'm so easy to find because it's just Nan Reinhardt. It re- made me really glad that I didn't use a pen name because mm-hmm. it makes me easy to find. So Yeah. And I'm on, I think I'm, I'm on Instagram just about every day, you know, pictures of the house or pictures of the grand boy or whatever. And listener, she does have like the funnest blog to keep up with. So, you know, all of your stuff will be linked down below. We just always love catching up with you and cannot wait to, you know, chat more books with you because I mean, seven in the next two years. So, I mean, we have to talk the Weaver sisters. We have to talk the walkers when they come out. Like you're just a power. You're a true powerhouse, an absolute force. We can't wait to chat with you again. My mother would so love to hear someone say that about me. (laughs) (laughs) Because she always thought I was kind of boring. Not in the least. Not in the least. (laughs) This episode is dedicated to mom, though, for real. This is dedicated to her. Somewhere in heaven, she's looking down on me going, hey, kid, you did it. You did it. (laughs) (laughs) 